looking for a way to ease your loneliness and find solace in your everyday routine? Check out the Lonely Lads podcast, made for lonely old lads like you. Join our host, a friendly and compassionate woman, as she keeps you company while you do your chores or simply relax. With her comforting voice and kind words, you'll feel like you have a close friend by your side. Are you listening? I said, are you listening to me? I was saying to you there about Margaret from down the street. You know Margaret, don't you? Margaret? Margaret was married to your man, John. The fella that did 10 years. Well, she dropped dead inside in Tesco the other day. She, apparently she fell off the top shelf. She was going up there for, uh, uh, she was trying to get, the, the, you know, the family pack of Tyler Rose. That reminds me actually, we'll have to go down and get Tyler Rose because we're completely out of them. So why not take a break from the distress of being completely alone and take comfort in the Lonely Lads podcast? Who's drinking all the milk? I, I don't know what's going on with the milk. I'd be buying, I'd buy four litres of milk and it's gone. Tune in today. Anyway, what was I sent to you? And let Betty soothe your soul. You don't be listening to me at all. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Engage. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Go! Just one more thing. I want to go to there. Bitch! The language! Unbelievable! I love it when a plan comes together. Roe believed that whatever they're planning, it's somehow tied to Starfleet's Frontier Day. No better stage on which to make a statement. In less than 48 hours. We're running out of time. We have no leads. Which is why we must return to the beginning. To the scene of the crime. Daystrom Station. Home to Starfleet's most off-the-books tech. Experimental weapons, alien contraband. A few months ago, Vadik stole a handful of classified weapons, namely the portal device you encountered. Its use at the recruitment center, we believe, was merely a distraction. To conceal what? The theft of something else? Steal the diamonds so nobody checks on the pearls. It's obvious they stole a weapon ten times more deadly. So we're looking for a smoking gun that no longer exists. Then we just follow the smoke. The only way to identify and retrieve this weapon is by getting a hold of Daystrom's project manifest, its inventory. Which is heavily redacted in the files that Roe was able to gather. Exactly. But the raw data should be on a computer in the station's primary vault. So we burgle the very institution hunting us. Excellent use of the word burgle, Admiral. Hello, and welcome to the Best Bits TV talk show, where we talk about a show on TV. I'm Will Collins, and as always, I am joined by Kevin Leanne. Kevin! Hello, how are you? I'm Grand Will. How are you? I'm, listen, I'm, I'm floating, I'm floating amongst the stars, Kevin. I'm floating amongst the stars. Every time I get to You look back, more and more disheveled every time you come on mic. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, I was hoping, I was hoping you were going to say the opposite. I said, this is going to go one of two ways. I'm going to go, I'm going to look refreshed or disheveled. <laughs> You're saying disheveled. You look fantastic. This episode is episode six. Yes. Shall I give you a synopsis on episode six? Yes. Who's it directed by and who's it written by? Yeah. Well, prompt. 
This episode is called The Bounty. It's directed by Dan Liu, and the writer is Christopher Monfit. And the synopsis is this. Now on the run, Picard and the skeleton crew of the USS Titan must break into the Starfleet's most top-secret facility to expose a plot that could destroy the Federation. Picard must turn to the only soul in the galaxy who can help, Geordi LaForge. This is the last episode that was provided to the media before the release to give critics an advantage on what they thought of the show so they could write their reviews. Interesting. They gave them the first six. And I think they gave them the first six because this is the one where finally every TNG cast member appears. Mm. And how many episodes in total for the season? 50. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to 50 of these episodes. (laughs) 10. Well, Kevin, what did you think of Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 6, The Bounty? I loved it. Okay, so we'll be back next week for (laughs) Dominion. You can watch this episode now on Paramount Plus and on Amazon Prime. Will, good to talk to you. Yeah, good luck. See you next week. Bye. (laughs) I don't know what else to say. I'll put it this way. This is my favorite hour of television each week. And it's not because it's the best hour of television, but it's the one that gives me the most feels. I get really... Mm caught up in the nostalgia of it all I, I just love it and I got emotional again twice watching this I didn't cry but I got choked up and, yeah uh, how did you feel listen I'm I, listen I'm in lockstep with you because I, I was there watching I went how many times I wonder how many times Kevin's gonna um, fall apart watching this episode but I did get choked up once watching this I just find this show in general to be a delight and it's as the That's season the best progresses yeah, as the season progresses, I have, I think I'm growing in my affection, not only to the old cast, because I already have an affection to the old cast, but I'm growing in my affection to the new cast and how it's so well handled, the themes of parenthood. <laughs> sorry, it's just as you said that, I, I started laughing about a moment that's coming up, but sorry, I don't want to sidetrack oh, you. <laughs> right, I thought you were laughing about something I just said. I yeah, laughing at parenthood. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, I was like... Um, yeah, the, the themes of parenthood. Uh, <laughs> I I think the, they're doing the member berries in just the right way. There might be maybe a little bit one one or two too many member member berries in this episode, but still, I'm it, uh, but I still think it's fine. I think uh, most of it is fine because the show has earned my trust. I would put it that way. So I'm kind of throw those member berries at me. I'm grand. I feel confident. In the in the in the showrunners, this one had a few more member berries than the other ones. I felt this one this one felt yeah. a little bit more overt in like remember this, remember that, mm-hmm. and it feels like it's encapsulating all of the series right now. It's feeling like like no, we're we're bringing all every series in right now, and we're giving that l- that loving little kiss on the cheek, just a little kiss on the cheek for the original Star Trek Enterprise. And oh lord, it's just I smiled. This is what I will say: more than getting choked up. I smiled so much watching this episode. And I said on the last week's episode that uh, of all of the high-profile, high-budget, big-budgeted TV series that are going on at the moment on various services like Disney Plus and HBO, this is the one that I'm looking forward to. This is the one that's actually making me feel something and feel something positive, which is rare. So, uh, yeah, I think it's doing a great, great job. But you want to get into the specifics... Yeah, we can do. Uh, but I'm going to preempt what you're going to say 
on one aspect of the episode, which is I think I know what you're going to criticize in this episode. There's going to okay. be one element that I know you're going to go like, again! But, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it's in my notes. There's a, fu- there's a fucking in there. <laughs> oh no, I didn't notice that. I didn't notice the swearing. Okay, well, no, in, my notes, begins, in my notes. <laughs> all right, do you just like swear all of your notes? This fucking yeah, thing, do, yeah. that fucking thing. I do swear in my notes, yeah. Okay, so the episode begins with three starships meeting up. It's cool, isn't it? But I, they didn't elaborate on that. And then they cut to the Shrike. I know that they said that there were ships that they've got changelings on board. But Oh, I got it. I thought it was very economical. I got it because you see there's a little beacon blinking and it, and it reads USS Titan on it. And I was like, oh, what's this? A little, and the three ships are just like, shoom, shoom, shoom. And they're like all pointed towards the beacon. And it's basically for me, I went, these ships are oh, hunting that's the beacon. Oh, that's what it was. the Titan. Oh, they were tracking. Yeah, it's a, it's a tracking beacon. Oh, I thought it was like the different infiltrated starships are having a tete-a-tete. They're all meeting up. Because they explicitly, allude, they explicitly say it when we cut to the Titan later on that Picard and Shaw are saying, we've been dropping breadcrumbs leading them off the scent. But they're still they're still catching up to them, which they yeah. don't, he doesn't understand why they're catching up, and that's the reason. Well, well it's explained later on. Surely, but, Shaw um, should know so that's that. what it is. That's what I wrote in my notes. Surely, a contemporary uh, ship crew would would be aware that, or even seven. There's a tr- yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, but still, it's a cool it's a cool visual. I thought it was really cool. The three these three Starfleet ships just coming out of wharf right in front of this little beacon or homey yeah, tracking beacon. Gotcha. Okay, that clears something up for me. And then we cut to Vadik, and Vadik gets her grandstanding villain moment where she says that we are going to hunt down every single person who's close to Picard until we capture, capture him. And one of her crew members is sort of like voicing dissent and going, we've only got 72 hours till Frontier Day and you still haven't got Jack Crusher. And she blows him away. And uh, I liked it. It felt like classic old school Star Trek. Yeah. You couldn't do this in any other show. I just enjoy her so much. And yeah, it just feels it's something we're so used to. It's done in the right way. And seeing someone smoking on screen, it's kind of like almost cool. (laughs) For lack of a better word. It's cool. Yeah. It makes me want to smoke cigarettes. Yeah. I want to go out. I actually have a shipment. I have to get get off this call early because I have a shipment coming from um, Fastway. (laughs) (laughs) A crate of um, carols, whatever they were. Or carols. I smoke roll-ups. And then the next scene after that, after Vadik lays down the gauntlet saying, okay, we're going to capture some of the TNG cast. After that scene, we cut to Crusher and they walk back my predictions. And I don't know how the, I about feel Beverly. about Beverly. About Beverly, but also about Jack Crusher. I, I liked what they did with Jack Crusher, where they said that he's inherited the same disease that Jean-Luc had, the Irumodic syndrome. But for that to be the explanation for the tension and the suspense that was building up with Jack, like, what's wrong with Jack? Why is he hearing voices from Beverly saying, find me? Uh, I don't know. Did you, do you buy it? Do you think that that's the answer? I still think it could be a bit of a red herring. I still think there's, a, there's one or two twists left uh, for us to discover in the story. Can I ask you something? I remember Picard having like a heart condition and him getting like open heart surgery in TNG. But this syndrome, like, is this something that was brought up in TNG or was it brought up in the previous seasons of Picard? 
he always had the syndrome, the aromatic syndrome. Aromatic syndrome was a degenerative neurological disorder that caused deterioration of the synaptic pathways. The condition caused confusion, delusions, and eventually death. In the anti-time future seen in all good things, Jean-Luc Picard had developed advanced aromatic syndrome by 2395. His condition caused many of his friends to doubt his claims that he has been shifting back and forth through time. Which basically meant that he had a death sentence. Yeah. But he also, I believe he also had a mechanical heart. Yeah, that was, I remember it being an episode in season two because it was that other doctor. That stabbed through the chest. Yeah, yeah. So he'd always, he, he had this trouble with his heart because of, because of that. I would just wonder if they were con- connected. But they're two separate ailments. And I like what Beverly said, he says to Picard here, she says like, oh, do, uh, please don't spend time burdening yourself when you can unburden him. That was a great line. That was mm-hmm. a really nice line. Don't waste yeah. energy burdening yourself. Just go and unburden him. Take it off yourself. Mm-hmm. Characters being incredibly kind to each other. And I don't know, I just, it's catnip for me. I just love that stuff. I'm still so impressed by the overall writing of this season. Just how neatly they actually managed to do, do that kind of arc across this one episode. But not just do it on one with one set of characters, but do it on in two on two sets of characters, uh, which we'll get to later on. I just think it was I was so impressed by it. I went, oh, that's very tidy and and nice and nicely written. So um, yeah, kudos to the writers in this. But were you impressed that they went back to Guinan's bar? Because I wrote in my notes, Guinan's fucking bar again. Here we are back in Guinan's fucking bar. This is like their the holodeck. Forward. Oh, God. Just give me a 10 forward and let the holodeck be the holodeck, for God's sake. Stop wasting the holodeck. There's people outside queuing up, waiting to use the holodeck for whatever sick fantasies they want to execute. But guess what? The holodeck is stuck in Guinan's bar mode because Jack is on the piss. It's just like, it's such a fucking waste. (laughs) I'm so annoyed. I liked it. At this point now, I feel like it's become part of the identity of the the series, actually, Mm. which is, this is their local. This is the Rover's Return. And they keep knocking up and having a couple of pints. The only thing is, why not have a holographic guy in there? I know. Throw her in as well, for God's sake. Of course they should have a holographic guy in They wasted her on season two. Yeah. So, well, I haven't seen it. So. And then, Raffi and Worf beam on board. And this is the moment where I got a little twinge. Where Crusher went up and she hugged Worf. And Picard is like, you know he doesn't like hugs. <laughs> But this is the thing, you got to twinge. I laughed out loud so many times in the scene He's and generally with any scene with Worf. So fucking Worf, so fucking funny. And he, I love, he says to Picard, he says, did he say something like, I enjoyed your sour meat? Yeah. <laughs> He's sour like, meat. sour meat? It's a bit tart. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And, and what's great is that R- Riker's always in the background to give the kind of the zinger line to kind of like, and you don't even see, you just see he's out of focus and he's just throwing a line just to make the joke really work. Like, you know, uh, it's, just, yeah. it's just so funny. The show's so fucking funny. Uh, Riker God, just likes taking the piss out of his friends. And then Worf briefs the team and he says that they need to break into Daystrom Station or basically they do what they used to do on TNG, which is they all sort of hash it amongst themselves and brainstorm and they come up with a plan yeah. to get around the table. And, Didn't that uh, feel like such an... It felt like we were back in TNG. It was just like, right, start to act one of the act one of the episode, kind of lay out the parameters of the mission ahead. It's classic. It's great. It feels like one of those episodes. Fantastic. Well done. A plus. Yeah, and they realise... 
that what they need to do is they need to break into Daystrom Station to get the file logs, which will tell them exactly what was stolen from there and to what end. But it's heavily guarded by AI. And mm-hmm. Picard says, well, we need somebody to volunteer to break in. Which one of these is going to be? And the next scene, you see that it's Worf and Raffi. And I wonder how this plays for you, because as I said, in the earlier seasons of Picard, we learned that Raffi and Seven were in a romantic relationship. That came out in season two. So they're mm-hmm. touching on it on this. They've broken up. They're not together anymore. But uh, Worf picks up on it. From, yeah, for me, not knowing... Oh, again, he has whatever he says. I remember it just being very funny, right? He's I can't remember what he says. I've been I've gone say? into battle with lovers before. He was very funny. Again, he's just right back to being dry and sardonic, and oblivious in how curt he can be. And, and I just remember very the, funny. At the very end, just before the scene ended, Riker's in the background going, "We're all gonna die." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just these. Just it feels like the comments. movies. Yeah, the old movie yeah. Uh, tone, which I love. Or at least the 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 Golden Six, we'll say the Golden Six yeah. movies, rather than the, not the, the TNG the movies. TNG movies. Yeah, so they warp down into the Daystrom Institute, and they've got the special key, and and lo and behold, the key works. They get in. Also, the AI made me laugh. Where it was, um, they had a f- about thirty seconds to identify themselves, and then it goes into like armament mode, and it's like going to kill mm-hmm. them, and they put the key in, and it says. Welcome to the Taste Institute, and please check out the commissary for whatever lunch. I thought, yeah, okay. They're having fun. The writers are having fun with this. Yeah, yeah. It's not dour. It's not bleak and dour. It's just like no, it's playful. It's playful, and that's the way it should be. It's a delight, as you said. Yeah, and then uh, we see the Starfleet ships who are in pursuit warping in, and as a result, the Titan has to flee. And they said. Uh, they said, oh, we've got, basically, we'll be back in an hour to pick you up in an hour. It's, again, a kind of a thing that would happen in a TNG episode. Away team, you stay down there. We're going to sort some shit out in space. We'll be back to pick you up. We promise, you know? I had to pause it to look at the screen because they walk past, they walk past a few member berries. And one of them is the biometric data of Kirk. Yeah, definitely it's Kirk. Yeah. It is Kirk, but I was... I was having to think, so they don't bury their dead. They keep them in this sort of internment in a museum, in this station. Or is it just his biometric data or whatever it was? That's a question that hasn't been answered. It's like there's several things in here. Like the first thing they see is the Genesis device. That's the first member berry that's in this thing. And then they walk to another display and it's James T. Kirk. And then another display and there's a treble. So it kind of feels like this is just a museum for Star Trek TV show. But I think that the, well, this is not the museum. The museum is coming up, but this is like the, the Institute. I don't know. This is like a a, a sort of a a library, but I think they're setting that up because of what comes later with Picard. If they've got Kirk there. Yeah. I'm just curious. I'm curious why they put Kirk there. I would like to know more. I was joking. I was being facetious just when I said it's like a museum. You didn't watch Picard season one or two, but Picard died at the end of season one. Oh, I was aware of it through you. That's how I think you kind of filled me in. That, and that his body that he has now is some sort of synthetic clone type body. It's almost like data. It's like a human hybrid synthetic. So he doesn't have a mechanical heart anymore. He's, he's all mechanical. But he's a cyborg, essentially. Yeah, it's curious. Why would they have Kirk up there? To foreshadow what they're going to do later on with Picard, I think. Uh, uh, really? Like, they steal Picard's body from the Daystrom Institute. That's what was stolen. 
Oh, I know that, but like, why, why have, why is Kirk's Kirk's body in there? Is it just to foreshadow, a... to foreshadow that they can steal Picard's body later on? I know, but specifically Kirk. You know, I'm just kind of going. Is there, is there a reason, an alter, al- alternative reason? It should have been Chekhov because of Chekhov's gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Set up payoff. Yeah, I just think it raises more questions. I think it raises like, you know, hang on a second, was that just a member berry? Or is this something that they're actually, is Kirk going to get uh, resurrected in some way or shape, you know, in well, a future Well, William Shatner series? is still working, so you never know. Maybe. They have one hour anyway to steal what they need to steal from the Daystrom Institute and Picard. Meanwhile, they fucked off to put some distance away from the sentry ships which are guarding the Daystrom Institute and they're searching for any possible infiltrators. And Picard and the Titan have gone to Athen Prime, the fleet museum, the old space dock housing every old spaceship that we would be aware of in Mm -hmm. Star Trek. And who is the custodian of that place? But Commodore Geordi LaForge. And he's got himself a cushy number, hasn't he? Oh, God. It seems like a lovely, lovely job. I wonder how many people there were at at that old decommissioned space dock because... That would house about like five hundred thousand people. Is he just there by himself with his daughter? Uh well, you you would you would think there's a pl- there are plenty of travelers coming in, like you know retired people coming in. We don't see that many ships going in and out, but that's where the difference between the movies and the TV shows really is apparent. Because in the movie, they'd cut to like a massive commissary, and there'd be hundreds of extras just milling about and going about their mm. day and wearing their mini skirts and what have you. But uh. Geordi beams on board and he is pissed, but not before Crusher gives him another hug. She's here to hug people in this episode and, and give us all the feels. But um, Geordi's with his other daughter. He's got two daughters. And yeah. he's pissed because Picard has put Sydney, Crash LaForge, in danger throughout the season so far. And Geordi's, Geordi's um, what would you call it? What would you say? Geordi's priorities are no longer Starfleet it's his mm-hmm. family and so he has to have it up with Picard there's one thing I want to say though as well as we're just talking about the LaForges I hope that Sydney LaForge the actress LeVar Burton's daughter who plays Sydney LaForge works more often after this because I think she's great oh so Sydney is Jordy, is uh, LeVar Burton's daughter actual daughter both those daughters are his real daughters Oh, wow. I thought it was just one or the other. I didn't realize it was both. Fantastic. No, the Bodice daughters. Micah Burton yes. and I can't remember what the other uh, actress is called. But they're both LeVar Burton's daughters. Oh, really cool. That's yeah. Really cool. And I also love that there's, it, it, again, I think it's really efficient writing. You get the sense that Sydney Crash LaForge is the black sheep of the family or perceives herself to be the black sheep of the family. And that's implied so quickly, but you get it. It feels she's stubborn. very real. Yeah, she is quite stubborn, but it feels very, very real. It feels relatable. And uh, you feel that tension. Even when even when Jordy uh, addresses her, there's a kind of a... She, she addresses him as Admiral or whatever it was, like, you know... And Commodore. Says, Commodore, and he nods to her, and it's like, oh, there's there's no hugs there. You know, yeah, Beverly's throwing out hugs, but they're not they're not hugging each other or anything like that. So there's a distance there. Yeah. I like it. I like it too. Um, and they seem to be setting up that 
Jack Crusher is flirting with Sydney. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> so what else would you do? Like, <laughs> you just found out you have a terminal illness yeah. and you're fucking about in space. And your Life's mom and dad are, are sort of getting on. It's like, why not? Just cop off with yeah. one of the officers. Yeah. yeah. They might get better age. quarters, get upgraded into a, an officer's quarters. <laughs> um, and I really love the scenes between Jordy and Picard. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different are, dynamic. I was quite surprised by him. I was surprised as how uh, dramatically charged they were because yeah. of their competing, well, basically what they want, uh, what Picard's asking of him and what jo- how Geordi has changed his kind of uh, worldview slightly compared to what it was in the TNG days. That's compelling. It's interesting. He was always steady Eddie on, on TNG. It's like you, you couldn't really f- stress Geordi out. He was much more... Um, soft-spoken mm-hmm. again bringing the TNG cast back it's allowed Geordi and Crusher to have more of an impact on screen because in the four movies those two barely factored in at all mm-hmm. and I really and, resented that about the films and also it's something we discussed when we were talking about the our Star Trek, on our Star Trek episode how there was no time gap between the TNG series and the feature films so there was really no time for growth for the characters. Yeah, that you know, was a good point you made. Yeah, versus now, we've there has been growth, you know, in the in the fictional world, but also in the real world, and it does feel like these characters have have had plenty of mileage behind them and have changed slightly. Like Worf softened; he's taken up meditation, but Geordi's hard. <laughs> he's Geordi full was of shit always, about that. <laughs> well, he's trying no, but I enjoy it. I enjoy the fact that he's saying Worf's taken up meditation, and he's he's become more humorous. That's what I would but, say about Worf. But what's quite um, funny is that throughout this episode, Worf keeps telling people, "I'm a pacifist." Now, did you know I'm a pacifist? I'm a pacifist. <laughs> and then at the very end, he says, "I will find him, Admiral. I'll bring William Riker home, and fearful be the god or man or beast that stands in my way." So he's com- He's completely fucked off his pacifism. He's now going full beast mode to get Riker back. Yeah. But I, I found that funny. It's brilliant. Yeah, so d- just lovely dialogue moments, lovely conversation moments. And it's what we want as fans is just to hear these characters engage with each other, debate with each other and negotiate where they are in their lives now and what the stakes are for them emotionally as well as plot-wise. Uh, it was in the scene with Jordi and Picard where... The question for me, the only slight plot niggle rose for me, which is something you alluded to earlier on when you were talking about the beacon. And here, Picard goes to Geordi, basically looking for Geordi to change the the identity signature, yeah, yeah. of the of the Titan. And Geordi explains to Picard, well, it's impossible because now all ships talk to each other, you know. Um, and my question immediately as well, hang on a sec, wouldn't, wouldn't Shaw and everyone else know this information? Unless maybe they should have... Sh- he didn't brief it with them, I don't think. Okay. Okay, right. So Picard had this idea in his head. Okay, well, that would make sense. Picard didn't... Okay, right. And he goes straight to Geordi with this plan in mind. Um, because that's what, what I like about... Again, what I like about this show is that this is like why are they at this institute well Picard has an idea he's like right I'm going to buy you some time I'm going to get out of Dodge and I'm going to get come back and pick you up in an hour this is all being led by Picard with you know kind of leading the charge uh, for lack of a better term Um, so I think it's quite good they're being pulled into the story in in organic ways back at the Daystrom Institute 
we've left Riker, Worf, and Rafi to navigate that sort of Fort Knox-like prison in space. And the AI system scans Riker and comes up with things that would trigger a response from him. And I thought it was to disorient or to um, dissuade him from going any further or confuse him. Mm. But it turns out that it could be that the AI is trying to communicate with him. And this mm. is where Professor Moriarty pops up. I loved all of this. I loved all of this. Because initially I was going, hang on a second, this doesn't make sense. If if the AI system is trying to keep them locked out, then why why is why is there this music and Riker's going B flat, D major, and all this sort of stuff? I was like, why is this happening? But it turns out, as you just said, no, it's the opposite. They're trying to he's trying to communicate with him. And oh my God. This is the member Murray that actually a second member Murray that got, got me choked up actually. Is that piece The of encounter music. at Farpoint. Yes. That got me choked up. because uh, it took me back because I remember that scene. I remember I remember I watching well. that scene for the very first time on TV and just feeling amazed. I remember feeling this is fucking awesome. This TV show is amazing. There's a robot man. Oh my god, look at him. And I remember that scene of of Riker and uh, and Data uh, meeting each other in the forest in the fucking holodeck. This is 20 years ago. They could they could change the programs in the holodeck 30 40 years ago in the um, Garden of Eden. Yeah. Oh god. So I got a little member member berry twinge of uh, nostalgia emotion when they they made that callback I thought it was just really elegant and lovely and while this is going on and while Jordy's sort of hashing things out with Picard and saying look I'm not getting involved anymore you've put my daughter in danger you need to prioritise what you need to prioritise but leave my daughter out of it she's coming with me and Picard's like okay I'm not going to go against your wishes but meanwhile they're cutting to Seven and Jack having a little moment on the bridge and Jack sits in the captain's chair and she's like get up and he goes, I just want to see what it feels. And they have yeah. a lovely little walk back through through memory lane. And I just mm-hmm. loved the dynamic of the scene. It was just this quiet moment of the two of them on the bridge. And she's like showing him ships on screen. And he's recalling what he knows about them from history. And they're playing the different music from DS9 and from Voyager. And I loved it. It was the Voyager moment got me. Because I'm currently watching Voyager, as I've already said multiple times. And... And the, the score, they brought in the theme, just gently reprised the theme tune for Voyager. Yeah. And you see how much it means to uh, Seven. And she was like, that's where I was reborn. And it's like, it means a fucking lot to me. That and So you can, you would know that visiting or revisiting that ship in that moment would bring back that swell of emotion for horror. And I just felt it was so lovely. But the biggest fuck you for me, or not, not holy fuck for me, was seeing the HMS, HMS Bounty. And I went, oh my God, brilliant. Oh, I was so hoping that they were all going to get on board the HMS You've Bounty. You've just taken the words away from me. I was like, is that what they're going to do? Are they going to hijack uh, the Bounty and go back and <laughs> say, oh, fuck yeah, it'd be great. The Voyage Home ship. But um, yeah. I have a question for you then. As they're, yeah. they've alluded to now twice, they've mentioned Admiral Janeway and they've spoken about no Voyager a few times in the series with Seven. Do you think that any of the Voyager crew are going to show up in this? I honestly haven't a cl- I honestly haven't a clue. This Do you I- know what my prediction is? Go on. I predict that there's going to be a big massive fuck you space battle at the end because they've said that they're they're bringing every ship for Frontier Day. Oh yeah. And I think that there's going to be a view screen moment where it's different people from different franchises. 
pop up on screen. Oh, and, it and it's going to be like Captain Barkley here. How can I be of assistance? <laughs> but you, <laughs> Stay what, out of it. I actually had a story meeting on a different project this morning, right? And we were talking about we were talking about earning. Let's say, like, let's say, making micro appearances feel earned and weighty, right? So there. Are, let me give you a bad example. Let's say a bad example of this is if you watch the new Ant-Man movie, you just see all these characters and you go, oh, there's a X from, you know, such and such a comic. And this is X and Y from another, another comic. And if you know them, it's just like, you know, they're just throwaway cameos that mean nothing to the audience. But if you lay the groundwork within a scene that we have at least one of these characters have a genuine presence and a genuine reason to be there and that we have a, a, a we feel compelled to spend time with them, then the audience will go along with you if you are just going to have like one one shot cameos of other characters later on. If you build our wave of trust and uh, have us surfing on that wave of goodwill, then my God, they control every fucking, they can put Kirk back on the fucking Enterprise. That's what's going to happen. Kirk's no. going to fucking appear. <laughs> Kirk's going to be there. Shatner's coming down from Hol- space. Holographic Kirk. Oh my God, we're going to be there. That's what's going to happen. And I will be creaming my pants. Uh, but I do think that we're going to see other people from different franchises pop up. Cisco. It's not going to be Cisco, Cisco because he's a space entity now. It could be... Oh God, there's so many people in DS9 are no longer alive. Um, uh, there, there, you know, I'm just trying to think. It'll be Kira. Well, Nana Worf is Visitor. No, Worf might be uh, flying the Defiant. He might be kind of captaining the Defiant. No, that's right? that's decommissioned. It was back at the museum. It'll be who all the current ships of the Federation that are coming for Frontier. They're the ones that are actively in service. Oh, okay. so the Enterprise Sorry. F and things like that. I misunderstood you. I thought they were going to be rolling all these ships from the Fleet Museum out for Enterprise Day, and I was getting really excited. I was well, like, you oh, know oh, what? You know what? It could happen because we know that Starfleet's been infiltrated. So yes. some of the Star- no choice. Jesus, it's going to be like the Avengers. Could it be like the Avengers where you get to see Hulk smashing shit out of Iron Man? You're going to get to see the, the Enterprise trading fire with the Titan. Oh. And, and then the Defiant coming in and like <laughs> shooting at HMS Bounty. And oh, fuck, it's going to be, it's going to be Bedlam. I'll be here for it. We're such nerds, Kevin. Realize and see what we've descended into. We've become like... Oh, Our toys just have oh to smash God. into each other. I want Enterprise A fighting against the HMS Bounty. I want Enterprise A, B, C all shooting at each other. (laughs) Warping all over the place. Uh, I want the the Dune Buggy from First Contact riding over the hull of the Enterprise D and just leaping across space you know what I mean like you know just smashing into the bridge of I don't know what Vatic ship or something I just want I just want all of the THG cast in their own separate shuttles and they decide to (laughs) take on the fleet (laughs) in seven shuttles by themselves Uh, (laughs) Ant-Man style fly up the arse of the fucking the Shrike and blow it apart yeah Oh God, we've lost our place now. Okay, so they find in the Daystrom Institute that the AI is actually contained within data, old data, the old model of data. Well, actually, no, it's an upgraded version of data and it's similar to what Picard is. It's sort of a human hybrid mixed with the old data technology and contained within data is all of the prior iterations that we've seen Brent Spiner play. 
Mm-hmm. So original data, lore. Original data, so, lore. B4. So, B4. B4 is my favorite. B4 is stupid. Oh my God. Oh, B4. B4. Innocent, innocent, poor little innocent B4. But we also get a holographic that, like, um, Professor Sun. It's funny if they turned him on. It's like, (laughs) they turned him on. It's like, (laughs) we don't know which one we're going to get. It's like, Captain, it's me. Shit. (laughs) Somebody hit him on the head. Ah, switch him off. Switch him off now. <laughs> God. Fuck him out of an airlock. I'm sick of this. <laughs> but yeah, the manifest is contained within data. And Jordy decided, okay, I'm on board. My daughter's convinced me. I'm Hold with on. you guys. Let's I, go. Hold on. Can I go back to that scene? That scene in the with data's because we get that projection. That projection uh, uh, was it Professor Sun's last last recording. Yeah, and he basically gives the the theme or the, the theme of the episode where he talks about evolution, and he said, "I think I'm paraphrasing what I think he said. Evolution is not an act of replication, just it's the addition. Act of addition, yeah, and that is the kind of like the thematic core of this episode, and it because this is all about the next next generation. Yes, yeah." And not in an annoying way, like we see in the in the no. Marvel Avengers universe. Yes, we I skipped have a over one for all the new cast. Yes, of what Marvel? Uh, no, I enjoy all the new cast. I'm talking. I'm enjoying all of the new cast in T uh, in Picard. All of this season's new cast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, me too. No, I like them. We skipped over my favorite scene in this episode, the one where I thought I I love Shaw, and it was when Shaw meets Jordan LaForge on the bridge, and he just fangirls over him because he, yeah. he's an engineer like when he was and he's like desperate to like show him the ship and, and learn what he can from him and I just thought this is perfect this is exactly what you need to humanise and to make Shaw into a lovable character which is that his hero is Jordy LaForge I loved it yeah. isn't it great we've gone we've gone around the houses with Shaw and we've come out going no, he's a fully rounded fully realised character and we see all the things he loves and we understand why he loves them. And we've seen the things he hates and we understand why he hates them. And it's great stuff. It's great stuff. He's and we didn't really brilliant. talk about Moriarty that much. That was I really enjoyed seeing Moriarty and um I just that, that was just a fun little another member Mary that I I got a tickle from. Member Barry, yeah, that was like a cameo. He just popped up for a couple of scenes and um I guess I'm glad that it wasn't more than that, but I expected it would be because he featured so heavily in the trailer. Uh, yeah, I only I haven't seen any of the trailer, so it was just from you mentioning that he was there. I got really excited. I went, oh, cool. I always enjoyed the Moriarty episodes. Yeah, there's a scene in the trailer where he's flying a ship. and um, So I'm, sh- I'm sh- sure it's... I'm only kidding. <laughs> in the final climax, we're going to have Trebles flying ships. We're going to have Diana Troy's mother flying you a ship. You keep calling her Diana. Her name is Diana in my head. It's what not. It? Diana. 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 I know it's spelled D D E A N N A. No. Diana. I can't. I can't not. I know she's. I know. I'll just call her Troy. Troy's mother flying the ship, it's trying toi. to get the right, trying it's to get toi. the right off Picard. That's what she'll be doing. Diana toi. Diana toi. Is that what she? Under toi. Under toi. <laughs> so while that's going on, Jack has basically put put the thought into Sydney's head that we should just go over and steal the cloaking device from the bounty and the Klingon ship from the voyage home 
and they do that and they install it and they install it slightly ass backwards so the ship is like overheating and it's going to fuck everything up uh, but Jordy thinks okay step aside kid alright I think I know how to do this and he's fully on board mm-hmm. he goes down he installs the cloaking device and they race back to rescue Worf Riker and Rafi who are stealing Data's body with all of his data within it and Riker buys some time but he ends up getting stunned and captured and they have to leave him behind so the rest of them abscond in the cloaked Titan and Riker is being captured and you know this episode for me this episode is working because when Riker got stunned I went oh no Riker it's like my affection for this character is just so so huge that any sort of I, I, I know it's it's great. It's great for the drama and everything like that. But I was telling you, no, no, don't, 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 don't kill him. Don't kill him now, please. I knew that something bad had to happen because it's just, it's ingrained in storytelling. It's like they can't just, things can't go their way. Something yeah. bad has to happen. It's that old thing of like, you don't go and then, and then. It's but. So whatever happens between scenes, but this happens, but this happens. And they wake up Data. We've been told that we can't be sure what, personality we're going to get but we can turn him on and see what he knows and can I just throw in there as well when they warp when the three of them warp back uh, um, with Data you know and I love the little moments sorry yeah beam back oh sorry yeah warp is totally different to beam what am I about transports back when Jordy looks at Data for the first time I got the feels as well because yeah because they were best friends they were the friends it was Jordy and Data were the two nerd buddies down and they in were the like basement the, yeah they were down in the basement they weren't the cool kids up on the bridge they were like the kind of the yeah they kind of hung out with each other because Jordy was a bit awkward and weird and that so never got explored in the movies they never, never had any real scenes together and it's like they were the guys that were always together and, and hacking up plans and stuff and LeVar Burton's great like he was just so, so subtle it was a great direction as well just really subtle uh, quiet, uh, you know, close up on his face as he just goes like, you know, data, you know, and it's just, it's perfect. There's only one thing about the show, which I, I know you've mentioned that the show can be a little too dark for you. And I've sort of mm. fallen in love with the bridge. The only thing that I get a little miffed with, the handheld, when oh, my the camera is shaking for no real reason other than just to create energy within a scene. I prefer when it's just steady, just locked off. But they'll mm. be on the bridge and they'll be having a conversation and the camera's just like jostling about on somebody's shoulder and it, it feels so unnecessary. Sorry, just keep it steady. Just let the performances pull us in. Um, mm. So they wake up Data and Data tells them that what's been... And it was a lovely performance from Brent Spiner. Mm-hmm. You know, he slipped right back into Data's sort of childlike delivery of Captain. Mm-hmm. And... They say what was stolen, and he says Jean Luc Picard, Jean 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 Luc Picard, and uh, it's like yes, that's right, Data. But what was stolen? And it's the remains of Jean Luc Picard. Why? Why would they steal the human remains of Jean Luc Picard? Maybe to do a remake of Nemesis. Yeah. Oh God. Oh God. They've done this before. Oh Lordy Lord. Yeah. Why? What? I don't know what the plot is here. Um. So I just hope it's, I hope it, it makes sense and uh, 
doesn't kind of like you know this is a this is their big huge plot. This is the this terrorist group. They're not going to do that. I don't know what they're going to do. I genuinely as long as it's going to be a big fucking space battle on Frontier Day with all the starships, and they're Mm. going to defend Starfleet, and it's going to be them up against everybody. It's going to be epic and amazing. But look at the tightness of this season's structure. It's so tight. Look, it's all building up to, right, uh, Frontier Day, it's going to go down the front. Tight as, exactly. As tight as a duck stars. Tight, uh, th- there's a big, going to be a big event happening in Frontier tight Day. A- <laughs> well, I wouldn't know personally, but I'll take your word for it. Um, but yeah, I just like that simplicity and elegance. And a show, a series, a season like this, an action adventure sci-fi show should have that clarity. You know, this is, you know, Saturday morning, entertaining viewing. It's, uh, I, 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 it's totally fine to have something a little bit more mysterious and a little bit more sophisticated shows. And, but this is, knows what it is and it's doing the job perfectly. It is. It feels like, it feels like a more adult version of Mandalorian. Comfort watching. But it's mm-hmm. not, it's not dumbed down. This is hard. Yes. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was waiting for you to say something. Yeah, I was looking at my notes to see what the next scene was. That's what, what okay. was going on. Well, we're at the end, though. So we cut back to Riker getting seven bells with shit battered out of him. And he's Poor refusing Riker. to give up at anything. Leave him uh, be. Get away from my Riker. Yeah, leave him alone. Uh, go after Thomas if you have to go after anybody. Leave him alone. Do you remember Thomas Riker? <gasps> Who the fuck was Thomas? Is he dead? No, it was there, there was a transporter incident that happened where Riker... Riker, when he beamed aboard the ship, the, there was another version of himself stayed behind. And it was the identical oh, yes. version of oh, Riker. Oh, God, that was a heartbreaking episode. God, yeah. And he, it spoke about basically that nature or nurture thing, that if you don't have the right people around you and, and you're not um, supported, what can happen to you? And he was a pathetic version of Riker where he never amounted to anything and he was... yeah. And I think they, they, I can't remember how that storyline ended up, but he, I remember he, he was still in a yellow uniform. Yeah, he still exists, yeah. Like he went off to he his meets own up with Troy every second weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, the, that was like, that, that tread, as far as, as far as I recall from Do you think my... that would actually happen? Where Troy would say, call in um, Thomas. I mean, it's you, <laughs> it's, it's nobody else. Hey, listen, Thomas is that type of personality who probably wouldn't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> There's two of you. Yeah, he probably wouldn't say anything. Oh my Riker God. would be well up for it. Riker would be like, actually, you don't have to... <laughs> you can go home, Troy. It's just be me, me and myself. I just remember when you said Thomas, I was thinking of Riker's dad. Because I remember the episode where Riker's dad showed up and Riker's, Riker's dad was a complete fucking asshole. I would like kick the shit out, like say, do... Oh, he was, a, uh, he was one of those military dads who was very... Yeah, um, Star tough. Trek judo and kicked the shit out of Raker and stuff like that. And never took, Where they were playing gladiators with the big Q-tips and they were... Yeah, that was it. It's so awkward looking. By the way, very nice. Gladiators. And the changeling that's beating the shit out of him kills the other two and reveals herself to be Vadik and she's cackling mm-hmm. away and Raker is on board the Shrike. And he says... You're never going to get the, the the information out of me. I'm just never going to give it up. And then she reveals behind the force field, Troy. And she goes, oh, well. And I thought even just that delivery was enough. It was like, oh, oh, well. Look what we've gotten ourselves into. 
mm-hmm. and Marina Sirtis is back. So there's going to be a rescue now to, to save Riker and Troy from the Shrike, and they are in the worst possible situation. And it has a complication, like at the start of the series, where he's one, the one chink in his armor is Diana Is Diana Troy. Diana Troy. I said it correctly. So can I ask you, just so I get clarity on that scene, so are they on board the Shrike the entire time? Because I just, I, I'm just forgetting that scene right now. Um, no, no. Yeah, that's what I mean. Because she, so she turns on, so she turns on uh, the other Starfleet officers. They, tr- they transport back to the Shrike. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. The people that were boarding the Daystrom station. Okay, I'm with it. I'm with it. It's really good. A nice cliffhanger ending. I'm yep. ready for episode seven. And episode tell me, seven. Tell me what it's not called, Kevin. Because <laughs> you get the titles of these episodes wrong every, every week. No, I've only done it twice. Every week. Human remains. Twice is every week, Kevin. And I have the reputation of being the bully. Come on. Next week's episode is called Dominion. Are you sure? <laughs> I'm positive. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Yeah, take my word for it. Until they change the title, which they've done a couple of times this season so far, where they have changed Imposter to Imposters and Bounty to The Bounty. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Fascinating information for all you guys out there listening. That's why I got so excited, because when I saw the HMS Bounty, I was going, oh shit, that's what the bounties were for? Oh my God, they're going to be be aboard the bounty. I thought it was those lovely coconut chocolate bars. It was like, oh, they all can have bounties. Oh, I, I oh, love them. No. They're my Gross. favorite. They made me want to be a screenwriter. Hate them. Absolutely hate them. Make me make me want to be. And that's the end of the episode. So, Will, to close out, did you like this episode? Yes. This episode is, for me, I'm going to give it four to four and a half stars out of five. I'm going to give it three bounties out of a celebration box. And uh, that's as many bounties as should be allowed in a celebration box. So that's maximum bounties. How about you? I'm going to give it five Snickers out of a celebrations box. I don't know. I don't have the energy to riff anymore, Will. Anyway, this was Star Trek Picard. That's us. And you can watch it on Paramount Plus and Amazon. That would be the one. Prime. There you go. That's it. I'm for all for it. Will, it was good to talk to you. Hey, great to chat to you, Kevin. Good to chat to you too. See you guys. Bye. Good luck. Oh, Will. And here is a clip from the lad's latest mini bits bonus show. The full episode, plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. Mini bits. Another new episode. Kevin, how are you?
Hi, honey, how are you? Oh, you know, I've got this, I've got my corns sorted out. I went to the Chiroptus the other day and uh, she Your said- corn? To, my corns. Do you, you ever get corns? No. Did you know what a corn is? Yeah, it's a bunion on your foot, isn't it? Yeah, like in between your toes and stuff like that. Do you, do you not wear any shoes like around the house? You walk no, I, I, I wear, no, it's the opposite. GA shorts. It's the opposite. I wear incredibly tight shoes. Like those Chinese women. Oh. Who get their feet bound, who had their feet bound, like, you know, before the turn of this yeah. last century. And so they had incredible corns and bunions. This is a great opener for a mini bits episode where we get people disgusted. Squally, it's episode 73 of the mini bits. <laughs> I'm Kevin, you're Will. This is yeah. our Patreon podcast. Thank you to all our lovely patrons. Yeah. A few of you have jumped in recently. I don't know what we said. We try to goad people into joining up every single episode. And then every so often, it's like a lot of people join because of one specific episode. And yeah. I'm like, what did we, how did we say it? What did we say on that episode? It's different <laughs> to the other 270 episodes. Maybe it didn't sound as desperate. Maybe we said, don't join. Maybe reverse psychology. That's how we should do it. Reverse psychology. Don't join up to our patron. Don't. <laughs> cancel. You don't des- Everybody cancel. You, you don't deserve to be in this group. We don't want you. We don't we like don't the look need of you. you. We, don't, we don't need anybody. <laughs> it's just us. It's absolutely just us. Hey, should we tell people? We, we did, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't say it on mic. Especially so early. We did an interview with the Irish Examiner last Friday. We did, yeah. And uh, how do you think yeah. I? How do you think I did? I, I, I think you did all right. Like you didn't interrupt me once, so I was <laughs> delighted with how I came across. But you know, there's no sort of time limit on this. We don't know when it's going to get posted. One of our friends was saying, Kathy at the cinema was saying that their interview with. Did they do the examiner as well? It was six uh, months yeah. before it posted. And, and the Guardian, I'm pretty sure. They were, they were profiled in the Gar- Guardian as well. Yeah, but we don't do any really promotion. Like nah. We don't do anything. Well, this is our first time getting any sort of like proper coverage, which is going to be mad. So um, uh, listen to all you listeners who have uh, found us before we explode. You're you're you're, you're an OG. Bust. You're an OG listener before Kevin starts getting gold chains from all his Patreon dash. I think I'm more of a silver than a gold. I think oh, yeah. my uh, undertones suit more silver. But, uh, yeah. I just want to die. Those I, are my Prince Albert. <laughs> Your hat? Yeah. I want Speaking of, of the, which. I want one of those diamond studs in my tooth. That's all I want. So I can go bing whenever I'm on a call. Oh, uh, yeah. Bing. I usually just, you know, wink and like glints. Yeah. Like starlight twinkle. <laughs> Speaking of which, I interrupted you. What, what, we, what, did, what did you want to speak of, which? Start the timer. Oh, I forgot. You may as well. Start the timer. They, all, all these lucky losers are listening in and, and they're wondering, what are we going to be talking about? But we have to start talking about them after. Yeah. We, we say goodbye. But look, I wanted to talk to you about, um, well, you've seen a few things. You've seen the new Godzilla film. Yes. I've seen the first Omen. Uh, I saw Scoop as well. That, oh, uh, we're looking Netflix forward to watching thing. that. Okay. Okay. I'll save my thoughts. And right. um, what else did I see? I made notes, but sure. You it doesn't did. really matter. I think I saw it. And I was going to go through all the summer releases and see what oh, takes your fancy. Okay. Okay. I'm looking forward because I don't actually know what's what's on the horizon. So um, I'm Well, the Joker 2 trailer came out today. I saw it. Yes. I watched that. 
Mm-hmm. It reminded me of Chicago. Yeah, it's kind of like you see it's all very much in the mind's eye. It, they're calling it a jukebox musical. Am I right in saying that? I think you're right in saying that. So, look, hey, listen. Uh, I, I actually, what it, what it did remind me of <laughs> was that I want to watch, rewatch The Joker because I saw it in the cinema and I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. It was a kind of a bold new direction. Uh, I'm just going to go back and watch the episodes from the Batman 66 show. The Joker episodes. Oh yeah, that's going to be... Just to fill me in like on the lore. Get up to speed. Get you right up to speed. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll be there going, where where are all the guys in the purple suits with the masks? When are they going to show up? And like, you know... It's a weird time though where we have the Penguin TV show with Colin Farrell coming out, which is a totally different canon version of the Penguin. Then you have this offshoot of Joker, which isn't... Its own universe entirely, mm. and then you have the old Batman films that you can watch. Right, and, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just I don't know. I'm kind There's of so many IP, but like this just everywhere. What well, what's happened is the world, the comic book world, has very much entered the the film world. It's where you could have different runs, totally different runs of a character by it's different insane. authors, and there would be totally different riffs on it and stuff. Oh, oh, it's this is insane. the thing. Kevin, so I'm only catching up on this. You mentioned it to me on a on a pod on a podcast. Wait, was it on one of those? Uh, it was the last. Show? It was the last mini bits. Uh, I you, think. you said everyone's describing stuff as insane recently. And have you started noticing it though? Only, only, only with people trying to raise you. That's the only type, only where place where I've noticed people. No, people on Discord are trying to every, raise you. Oh my god! Oh my god! I could start posting though, like, um, tweets, comments, TikToks. Uh, articles, anything. Insane is everywhere. This is insane. That's insane. It's insane. There was a festival just going on about this insane lineup. I was like, oh, it's a mentally ill lineup. Okay. (laughs) It's just, it's it's everywhere. And the other thing, do you know the other thing that's also bothering me lately? And this has been bothering me for years and years and years. It used to be that everyone used to misspell definitely. They'd go defiantly. Okay. Oh, it's defiantly whatever. They would just, they were morons. But no, I just keep noticing everyone keeps spelling a lot as one word, A-L-O-T, a lot. Where has, where have they gotten into their heads that a lot is one word? It's the same way that people will write every time as one word. What's the one that you've, you've pulled me up on a few times and I can't get it right? Compliment. Compliment. I can't, (laughs) but I can't get it right. It's like the you I. can, because I told you the other day. Yeah, and I went searching for it and I couldn't find it because I had to actually had to an, use it. If there's an I in compliment, it's yeah. I'm paying you oh, a compliment. That's a good way to remember it. Okay, good. And then compliment. I, I wrote that to you. But you did. And I went to try and find it because I was I would found myself writing the word compliments. And I went, shit, Kevin. But, I, but you, you gave me a thumbs up, which meant in my world that, yeah, I read that. Thanks. But I did, right? I'm talking about a couple of days later when I was faced with the exact same hurdle of writing the word compliment, I went, okay, what did Kevin say again about compliment? There's an I and the E. What did he say? So I went searching for it and I found it, I think. And I went, oh, the I is paying me a compliment or I'm giving you a compliment. It's insane how little you can retain information. It's insane. (laughs) (laughs) Come here, let's start talking about what we watched. Come on. Did you start the timer? 
Yeah, it's it's gone. It's ticking. It's ticking down. The world's going oh, to explode. Do you know what I have to put in the sound effect? I have to. I have to line oh. up all my sound effects. When you said start I the timer, like, I have a whole it's... fucking. I have a whole soundboard. Here. Okay. Jesus Christ! Where's my fucking? What? Where's my ding dang ding? <laughs> here we go. The timer has start. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, right. Yeah!